Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, your home for movie news, reviews, and movie fan views. That's right. This is your podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunleavy, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, Rob Dunham. How you doing? I'm doing lunarific. Yes, Minnesota United jersey for Rob tonight. A new debut on the podcast. Yeah, pretty excited to find this one because I haven't seen one in about four months, so it's pretty cool. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. So we've got a great show tonight. Uh, Wonder Woman has a big announcement. Thanksgiving Day movies. And we're going to talk about books for movie fans, possibly as Christmas gifts. All right, so let's get started. So the big news of the week is absolutely the announcement from uh, Warner Brothers on Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, This announcement came out yesterday. It was partially leaked, and then Warner Brothers just confirmed it. And the news is that Wonder Woman will debut on Christmas Day in both movie theaters and on HBO Max. So it is going to do a dual release uh, with theaters and on streaming with HBO Max. So this is one of the one of the first big releases to to go with the dual format as, of course, Mulan debuted exclusively on Disney Plus. Part of the deal with this is that um, HBO Max subscribers will not have to pay any extra to see Wonder Woman 1984 on Christmas Day. And it will debut on the service and last on there for about a month. And then we'll leave the service um, for the window for it to sell, uh, sell Blu-rays, DVDs, digital, that kind of type of thing, and may return to HBO Max later that year. So Rob, I think you want to call this segment, Rob was right. If I'm I think that's what the press release said, actually. The Warner <laughs> Brothers press release said, Rob Dunham was correct. And he is a prophet. Um, I can only claim that I'm like 75% correct, I guess. Because it is still releasing in the theater. But I I had been under the belief that one of these major movies was going to come out on a streaming service um, at, at the same date as the theater or, or by itself even. And it's, this is really, this is a, a, a ground-shaking move. This is a, this is a big thing. Um, it'll be really interesting to see the numbers for HBO Max because um, there will be people who do a free trial or subscribe or however they have to find their way to it just for this. Yeah. Um, the question is how many people will that be, but there will be people who do it. Um, and the, the added bonus too is that they're not charging extra on top of the regular service like Disney did for Mulan. So it'll be available to anyone who subscribes to HBO Max, which is a, a big difference from how Disney did the Mulan release. Yeah. And the difference is too, that once you got the Mulan release and you bought it, you had it. Yeah. So, I mean, you still have to keep your Disney plus subscription, but um, yeah. Whereas it will only be on there for a month. So you better, you better get your free trial in there right away. If you're in, if you're in for it. So I will have to also claim partial credit. I'm going to go like 25% credit on this (laughs) because I said I thought there was a decent chance if things went well that it would end up in theaters. So I'm at least partially right. 
but that's really going out on a limb because yeah. I'm not sure about that. I don't know if we can really say things have gone well. I just think <laughs> <laughs> that they're still releasing in theaters anyway. Yeah. It's kind of how I look at it. And we should add, add the caveat, too, that um, this is for now. Yeah. <laughs> like, we I, don't know how things might change in the next month. It's possible this whole plan could change. It's true. But I think the plan is solid enough that I think basically what this plan indicates is that um, they're not planning on relying on the theaters to drive revenue for this one. Um, that's what I think this deal shows. Um, I, in my opinion, I would love to have seen um, a slightly different contract, which would have been like two weeks theater exclusive starting at Christmas. And then it debuts on HBO Max for a month and then it goes away and then it comes back. I, I think I would have liked to have seen that to give the theaters um, an exclusive run to kind of get people to theaters if they wanted to, if they wanted to go and see the movie right away. I think that would have given the theaters um, something. Um, now I think there still will be plenty of people who decide they want to go to the theaters and get it. So, and it does allow that theaters to say, hey, we do have something, we have a big offering, come out and see it. Um, but I think it just obviously reveals that they're not planning on trying to rely on the theaters to make money for this. <clears throat> yeah. And it, it, it certainly depends on where you live, but at least in Pennsylvania where we are, the restrictions on what you can and can't do uh, seem to be tightening every week. So uh, it's, it's getting tough for the theaters to be able to convince people to come out at the moment. Yeah, but I mean, if you do, if you do like going to theaters, I was there last night, which we'll talk about later, and there were like three of us in there, so you're yeah. well socially distanced. <laughs> you're well distanced, so. That's good, because I hate people, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, man, so I'm excited about this, because I do think that this deal makes it much, much more likely that we're not going to see more major pushbacks. Maybe, I mean, it's theoretically possible that it just doesn't show up in theaters if, if for some reason everything goes crazy even more. Uh, but I think there's a much more likelihood that Christmas will be the actual release day now. And I think that can be nothing but good news. Um, having something, anything to go on with, uh, with movies, something new, something big, I think is just, is huge. Okay. So the, the, uh, we've got some more superhero news. And the next story we are going to be doing is kind of a fun one. I think this is, uh, this is intriguing. So Chris Pratt is going to be joining the cast of Thor Love and Thunder. So Chris Pratt will, of course, be repeating his role as Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord. Star-Lord, man. Star-Lord. Come on, Star-Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and I think this is great because personally, I, the Thor movies have been my favorite ones. They've been the funniest. They've had the most unique elements to them. I think they're just a little bit different than the, than the rest of the MCU. And so to add then probably the best character from the, uh, from the Guardians of the Galaxy movies is just, I think, I think the combination for some great fun and some great action and humor in this one just really, really amps up. So I'm really looking forward to this. And it starts filming in Australia in January. So 
Yeah. What did, what did you think? Uh, my only disappointment is that uh, Chris Pratt could not have been there to save the dark world because <laughs> he probably could have brought some life to that movie, which it needed desperately and never got. Um, but I, I think the interactions between Star-Lord and Thor in the Marvel movies have been some of the funniest small interactions that we've seen. And uh, the, there are big rumors <laughs> that in the next uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movie, Thor will also have a, a pretty major role in that movie. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how much screen time they give them together and what they're able to do. I'm sure there will be lots of repartee and witty dialogue and things for us to laugh at and make fun of people about. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So that's, that's just great. And uh, you know, YTD will also be directing and he will once again be the voice of Korg, which means Korg will be back Beautiful. in, which I think we can all say is, is just fantastic. So that's, that's gonna be fun. I think this is, they are probably two of the biggest characters left in the MCU now. Um, and especially with the death of Chadwick Boseman, um, some elements of this are still up in the air. So I think, kicking off Thor Love and Thunder with Chris Pratt, I think is really, really going to be a strong release for this next phase of the MCU. All right, so let's move on to uh, something a little bit different. Um, it is movie related, but not necessarily directly tied to specific movies. Um, so a couple of famous directors have books coming out or already out in some cases. And if you happen to be a lover of movies, or if you know one and are looking for a Christmas gift, we thought we would talk a little bit about um, a couple of books coming out from, um, one from director Quentin Tarantino. He is gonna be writing a book on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, based in part on his uh, amazing movie from last year. And, then the second book is a book about Christopher Nolan. It's called Variations. And this is a book about Nolan himself. It delves into uh, both his background and his movie making. So Rob, what did you, uh, I'll let you go in a little bit further into the Tarantino, in the Tarantino book. What, what well, I'm definitely do? interested in seeing him flesh out some of the um, stories and characterizations from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because there's just, like I feel like he built this thing. The movie itself is really long. Yeah. Uh, it's over three hours long. The movie itself is kind of an epic on its own. But he kind of built this whole alternate world <laughs> within the movie that uh, he's done before with certain time periods. But um, it, it gives a lot of leeway to talk more about what's going on there and people's stories and how things might have been different than they actually happened. I've sneezed. <gasps> Excuse me. <laughs> awesome. You can, cut, you can cut that out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's very intriguing to see uh, what he comes up with and, you know, where he takes us with uh, stories because at, at his heart, I think uh, Tarantino is a storyteller mm -hmm. and uh, that none of his movies seem lazy you can have you can have uh certainly criticisms of some of his filmmaking and maybe some of his heavy-handedness or uh 
his elitist takes sometimes when it comes to filmmaking, but um, you got to say the guy is definitely a storyteller. And so it'll be interesting to see how that translates into the written medium for sure. Yeah. Um, so the Christopher Nolan book um, is a little bit different in that he's not, he's, it's written in collaboration with him, but it's not written by him. It's about him. So it covers an in-depth look at um, his work, his influences, his vision, his childhood past, and a ton of other things. And for anyone who's been listening to this podcast for any length of time knows how much respect that we have for Nolan. And he is my favorite director operating right now. And so I am completely intrigued by this book. I, I want it very much. <laughs> so this is definitely on my Christmas list. Um, but I think, I think getting into his mind and seeing how he does things, I look forward to it because I think that it would be, I think it would allow me to explore his movies more in depth, um, which is something that I was able to do in some of the other ones like um, Interstellar, for instance. There's a book uh, written by the physicist who worked on Interstellar with Christopher Nolan, Kip Thorne, uh, called The Science of Interstellar. And it delves all into the actual physics at work in that movie. And I love physics. And so getting to read that just gives a whole much more meat to the, to the actual movie. So I suspect that the same thing is going to be true if you read this book and have the chance to delve back into his movies that how much more you're going to appreciate the movies themselves and what he does as a director. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah. One thing for Nolan is he's never shied away from peeling back the curtain <laughs> Yeah, behind what he does. He seems to be a very, uh, very reachable character when it comes to a director and not all of them are that way. Very approachable, very uh, willing to, talk through some of his methodology which some directors just aren't that way so yeah. um, I think there's the potential for some pretty neat insights uh, in a book he would be a part of writing for sure. Yeah and I, I agree with you that I think it will be interesting to see what Tarantino does as a writer with that story. I think one of the criticisms I would have of Tarantino is I think in some ways he needs an editor but mm. he's too big of a director that I don't think he can get an editor to tell him exactly yeah. <laughs> what to do. And I think he just goes off in his excesses and, and there's nobody really there to rein him in and tighten up some of his stuff. So I wonder if that's gonna play out in his book or if that is merely a function of his movie making style as opposed to merely his writing style. So Well, once we see that the book comes out and it's three times longer than War and Peace, I think we'll have an answer to that. <laughs> Or maybe it, uh, if it's up there with uh, Barack Obama's 798 yeah. volume yeah. one of his narrative. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, uh, yeah, if it's, if it's of that type of epic tome, I think, I think yeah. we've got our answer. <laughs> the Bible part two by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. <laughs> coming this fall. <laughs> so, yeah. So if you, if you have a movie fan in your household and you're looking for a gift, check out one of those. You can find both of them on Amazon or wherever books are sold, I'm sure. All right, Rob, I think it's game time. 
Don't you think it's game time? I actually have the game this time. Yes, Rob is running the show. We're turning the podcast oh, over to Rob. I'm excited about this. So, right. um, in this game, we have ten people. There's there's three possible points for each person. So I'm, I'm gonna we're gonna keep track of your score here mm. for future reference for if we do this again in a different way. Okay. Um, so I decided to do this because I came across a really cool chart online, hmm. and the chart was the ten highest grossing bald actors <laughs> all time <laughs> in combined box office. <laughs> so, hmm. what what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read you a quote from the highest grossing movie they've been a part of, unless otherwise noted. Okay. And. You so you'll get a point if you guess the actor, you'll get a point if you guess the movie, and you'll get a point if you guess the character's name. Okay. So there's okay. three possible points for each one. We're gonna start with number one because we're you know it'd be more difficult to start from the bottom and go up. Uh, there there are some tricky ones in here. I think there are some that are much easier than others. Hmm. Uh, some that you might be surprised that they're actually on this list. <laughs> Because I was, for sure. Mm. There's actually, uh, there is one movie on this list that is uh, the movie that the quote comes from for three different people on the list. So, we'll start with number one. Okay. And your quote for number one is, and I, I should note, this one is from the second highest grossing movie from this actor because he did not have a line in the movie that was the first highest grossing movie for him. Oh, interesting. And the line is, same energy signatures as New York. Same energy signatures as New York. Now, bear in mind, this is the highest grossing bald actor. Yes. Of so, all time. Is this... Uh... Is this a Marvel movie? It is. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking. Um, I'm gonna say that the movie is um, the. In, I wanted to say Infinity Wars, but I think it's the second one. It's a. Uh, Now I'm blanking out on the actor. The actor should be simple once you once you've got Marvel and Avengers and yeah. bald. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it should be. All right, so you failed. Uh, right. <laughs> I will, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you credit for Infinity War because that was actually correct. Yeah. It's Samuel L. Jackson, Nick Fury. <laughs> okay. This is a bad start. This is, a, this is a bad start for you here. All right. Second, let's go to number two. You got one point so far. Yeah. You just earned yourself a dance with the devil, boy. You're under arrest. And I will give you the clue that this is one that has three different actors on this list in it. So you're yourself a dance with the devil, boy. You're under arrest. 
I will give you a secondary clue that he also played this character in another movie that came out recently that was not this movie. <laughs> that that quote sounds so familiar. Man. I know you've heard it recently because I know you watched these movies recently. It's one of the series we talked about when it comes to action movies. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to go with The Rock. And That's I'm correct. going to go with Fast and the Furious. Um, or is it? Man, now i got to figure out which order and what the <laughs> these movies are. Fast Five. I'm going to go with Fast Five. It's actually Furious 7. <sighs> But but you get credit for The Rock, and his character's name is? His character's name is Hobbs. Yes. So you get two points for that one. So you've you've got three points so far. Awesome. All right. Next one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you – I'm going to throw you a bone here. Same movie. Yeah. We'll give you a free point there. You risk the life and limb – you risk life and limb to save the free world, and what does it give you? Jello in a bad 70s TV show. <laughs> I'm going to go with Jason Statham. Actually, Vin Diesel. Ah, it's Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> and his character's name is? Yeah. And his character's name is Toretto. Yep. So I think we're up to five points now. This one, you're not going to get the next one. I'm almost positive. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's give it a go. The quote is, Amore, no, don't leave me. <laughs> 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 because it's one of his only quotes in the entire movie. <laughs> First of all, I think you'll be shocked that he's this high on this list. Second of all, I think you'll be shocked that this movie made as much money as it did. I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say Patrick Stewart. It's actually Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci. Ah, okay. Can you guess what the movie is? Hmm. I will tell you it's not The Hunger Games. No, it's definitely not The Hunger Games. And you said it's one of his only lines, so it's not like The Devil right. Wears Prada or something. Right. Um, shoot, no, I don't. It is Beauty and the Beast from 2017. Really? Which actually made $1.2 billion globally. Really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, uh, you know what? <laughs> that makes a little bit of sense, though, because wasn't that the first one of the Disney ones to go live action? Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. I, you know, I, I didn't see it, so I, don't, I yep. don't know for sure that I knew that Stanley Tucci was in that movie. I didn't even know Stanley Tucci was in the movie until I saw the credits, because I didn't realize Stanley Tucci was Stanley Tucci. I, as I was watching the movie. I'm so. glad that he is high, this high on the list because he is a yeah. fantastic actor. Yeah, yeah, I was, that's the one I was most surprised by being high on the list, honestly. Yeah. Uh, concurrently, I was surprised that this guy was not higher on the list, the next mm. person. And I feel like, oh, I feel like you should get this one. Okay, when your mother and father were first divorced, your mom went to see a doctor like me and he didn't help her. So you think I'm not going to be able to help you. Read it again. 
Okay, when your mother and father were first divorced, your mom went to see a doctor like me, and he didn't help her. So you think I'm not going to be able to help you. I so know this quote. So uh, that would imply that he's a counselor of some kind. Yeah. You definitely know this quote. I know this quote. I know I know it. Think about bald people who you <laughs> we haven't said yet on the list. This, this is the problem. When you said bald actors, like my yeah. mind went blank. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's one of those things where you're like, you're about to introduce like one of your good friends and you blank yeah. out of yeah. <laughs> um, This person is probably more well known for being a major action star. Yeah. I'm going to go with Bruce Willis. That is correct. And what is the movie? And I'm going to say The Sixth Sense. That is correct. Do you remember what his character's name is? Oh, I think that one's harder. That one is harder. Um, it's been a number of years since I've seen The Sixth Sense. No, I'm not going to be able to get his, his name. Dr. Malcolm Crowe is okay. the character's name. Yeah. All right. The next one, I'm going to tell you another thing about this guy. This guy is in the series that three of the other actors that we've talked about are in, but his highest uh, box office movie is not from that series. It's from another series. Okay. Another action series. Okay. And his quote is, I still got my nest friends out there. I'm going to round them up. We'll find your girlfriend, and we're going to bring this guy in. Still got my nest friends out there. I'll also say this action series is based on a child's toy slash cartoon. Are, are you talking Toy Story? No, I'm talking Transformers. Oh. Dark Side of the Moon. Transformers. Oh, gosh. That's such a terrible movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not as bad as Revenge of the Fallen, though. And I think this is one of the lesser known actors in the movie, which is interesting because of how high he is on this list. Man, now I've got to remember back to like the one and a half times that I saw that movie. I will tell you, he is also in the Fast and the Furious movies. Is there another bald guy other than Vin Diesel? There is. <laughs> There's a couple of bald, Like, is everyone in those series bald? <laughs> Apparently. Up on that. <laughs> I think that's our takeaway from this. Um, <laughs> It's Tyrese Gibson. Okay, yes, Tyrese Gibson. Okay. And his character in the movie is named Robert Epps, apparently. All right. Okay. We, yeah. we got a few more here. All right. All right, last one from Fast and the Furious movies. Okay. Since we eliminated everyone else, I think it you should be able to, be to get Vin this Diesel. one. We already said Vin Diesel. We are did? Yeah, because the one you thought was Jason Statham was Vin Diesel. Oh, so then we have Jason Statham. <laughs> so the line is, you never should have messed with a man's family. So we've established it's Jason Statham. We have. Fast and Furious 7. And do you remember what his character's name is? Shaw. Yep, Deckard Shaw. All right, we're up to 10 points. You've got three people left. Okay. All right. This is someone you mentioned earlier as a wrong answer. Uh, just because someone stumbles and loses their path doesn't mean they're lost forever. Sometimes we all need a little help. All right, this is Patrick Stewart. Yep. And this is X-Men First Class. Days of Future Past. Oh, that's no, that's the one I meant. Oh, no. That's the <laughs> one I meant. 
<laughs> and Nenti is a I think I'll give I'll, I'll I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Oh, man. Obviously, his character is Professor X. So. Yeah, because he's not even in first class. Right. All right, you're you're doing better. Yeah. All right, this last one. Uh, this is this person's second highest grossing movie because I don't think he has a line in this first highest grossing movie. That there's quite a few of those. Yeah. This guy was. Uh, this guy's been in, I think, all if not all, most if not all of the movies in the series, and it's an extended series. Okay. Not one we've talked about yet. Mm. And here's the quote: "She's a ghost. Good at it too. Taught her myself." Every now and then she sends up a signal to let character name redacted know she's safe, and that keeps him going. Oh, I know this. Oh, I so know this. You absolutely know this because it's a series you really like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if I would have said the person's name, you would have gotten it right away. That's <laughs> I'm sure. I can say. All right, read the, quote, read the quote for me one more time. I got to let it sink in a little bit. She's a ghost. Good at it, too. Taught her myself. Every now and then she sends up a signal to let him know she's safe and that keeps him going yeah this is mission impossible so we're talking uh ving rains correct and this is going to be um fallout mission impossible fallout correct and his character's name is oh okay 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 um Shoot, he's in every freaking movie except for one. Um, <laughs> they usually, they pretty much only call him by his first name. Yeah. Yeah, give me a second here. Because I just have to get the, I have to get one of the lines in my head. Gosh, I hate it when this happens. <laughs> yeah, these kind of put you on the spot games, make you forget everything that you know about Every movies. single thing you know. <laughs> It's so ridiculous. I mean, you're up to 15. You're not doing too terribly. Yeah. Um, Luther. Correct. All I right, knew so, I'd get it eventually. All right, you've got 16 going to the last person. All right. Last person uh, kind of surprised me a little bit, I think. Uh, his place on this list is almost entirely driven by this movie. Hmm. Um, it is a part of a giant series, but it's the only one of the series that he is in. Okay. And the quote is, uh, well, I had a little problem with substances and I, uh, ended up doing things, no two ways about it in, in the street that a man shouldn't do. Hmm. Hmm. I think I'll give you a, I'll give you a, a, I'll throw you a bone here. It's a Marvel movie. That's the only one he was in. And there have not been many people, characters who have only been in one. Yeah. That have been a main part of the movie. Hmm. I, yeah, I'm not, it's not, it's not popping into my head. All right. We'll give you, uh, I'll give you the movie and maybe you can come up with the actor. Okay. Iron Man three. Iron Man three. Okay. Um, ah, yes. Okay. Um, it's Ben Kingsley. Correct. 
Yeah. And Herma, you remember the, his character's name? Uh, I remember, I think I can get his nickname uh, right. in that, which is the, I almost said the Merovingian. That's, that's <laughs> it does start with M. I know. <laughs> like I know this is, there's uh, um the, the I'm so close to getting it too. <laughs> it's a language dialect, if that helps. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> the Mandarin. Mandarin. Oh. Dang, okay. His his uh, character's real name is Trevor, mm. which he is also called in the movie. But obviously yeah. he's known. So that line I gave was as Trevor. Okay. But he's obviously yeah. also known I know, as the man. I recognize it now. It's like when he's being confronted once they realize he's, mm -hmm. he's a fake. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a, which is a hilarious scene. <laughs> yeah. So we're, I think we're going to give you six, 16 points out of 30. Okay. So you failed oh. spectacularly. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I feel like when the shoe is on the other foot, I might not do as as well. So I think sometime in the future, you're gonna have to have your revenge. Yeah, on yeah, me with we'll uh, some some form of list. And I will say that there, uh, I'll have to look up the exact name of the website, and, and we can probably let our viewers know about it. But there is a very helpful website that has a box office information for any actor if you type in their name. It shows you the whole list of their acting credits and the domestic and global box office for each movie they've been in. Nice. So that's where I was able to get the titles for the list. And then I went on IMDb and looked up some movie quotes. And that's how we ended up getting where we went. Nice. Uh, that was fun. That was good. So I hope those of you playing along at home perhaps did better. And if you did, please uh, send us a note, a uh, comment on the YouTube page or uh, an email. What's our email address? again um you can email there's a if you go to the filmforfans.com there's a there's a contact us box in Correct. there that so uh, if you did better than ryan uh let us know and gloat so that we can shame him further yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i right. still can't believe it. the the most egregious part yeah. of that whole thing is that he did not get samuel L. jackson I, for whatever <laughs> reason it's like i don't know yeah I don't know. There's too many actors in those movies. There just is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's like 9,000 actors in those movies. I recognize the council's decision, but given that it's a stupid <laughs> decision, I have chosen to ignore it. Oh. Uh. <laughs> so let's move on to our, our, our next discussion item. So with Thanksgiving coming up next week, uh, I thought we'd look at Thanksgiving movies. And since there are significantly more Christmas movies than like supposed Thanksgiving movies. One of the things I thought we'd do is we'd look at movies that came out over Thanksgiving Day weekend. And so um, I found an article and it's a little bit older, but we'll link to it in the comments um, talking about the all time greatest Thanksgiving movie weekends ranked. So it goes through and ranks uh, I think it starts in like the early 90s and then goes through and picks out the top 10 weekends in terms of uh, box office releases based on the movies that came out that weekend. So um, on the list, there are a whole bunch of weekends. So Rob, give us your 
favorite one? Which one of the weekends from which year did you think was your favorite? So I, I looked through the list and I, the one that stood out to me was uh, number seven on the list, which is the year 2011. Uh, the movies that were released uh, as the main ones on Thanksgiving weekend are Arthur Christmas, Hugo, The Muppets, The Artist, A Dangerous Method, My Week with Marilyn, and House of Pleasures. Hmm. I have not seen the majority of these movies, but um, I have seen Arthur Christmas, Hugo, The Muppets, and The Artist. Uh, interestingly enough, in the article, the the person who wrote this says that the artist didn't deserve its best picture win. I looked up the rest of the people or movies that were eligible for best picture. And I think it actually does. Hmm. Um, what were some of the other ones? Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. I looked it up before and did not okay. say, it. <laughs> <No problem. laughs> but uh, uh, the artist, if you have not seen it is a black and white movie um, with subtitles and very interesting and different. It's a silent movie. Essentially it's, a movie about a silent movie being made, but most of it is silent. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really like I, I thought it was a really interesting uh, and fantastic achievement when it came out. It's definitely something that really stands out to me when I see a movie that makes me like it even more as if it's different than anything else that's happening. And this was way different than anything else that was happening. And I think it's why it did so well um, with Gerard Depardieu. <laughs> if you speak the French which I don't, but I can say his name. Um, I think that he was stellar in this movie. Uh, along with that, the movie Hugo, I think, is one of the best family-friendly movies that's been made in the last 20 years, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, I think it's an incredible story, uh, an incredibly moving story um, with Jude Law's character and his son and hiding away inside a train station as Sasha Baron Cohen's uh, police captain character chases him down and tries to find him hiding in the walls. Uh, it, what's really cool about that movie too is it ties in the real life story of a famous French filmmaker. So it's not like a straight biopic, but it gives us some insight into some of his work too, which I thought was a really fun thing. And a really cool way to teach kids about something that happened in the past when it came to movies. Um, the Muppets was fun as well, I thought. Um, but Arthur Christmas, I think, is the underrated standout from this week. Hmm. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite Christmas movies that came out recently. And just a really different spin on Santa delivering presents and what it means and who all is involved when it comes to the North Pole and what happens if things don't quite go the way they're supposed to go. So I would recommend Arthur Christmas this Christmas season if you ha have not seen it and need a Christmas movie to watch. I should be recommending another one when we get to our watch list. Yeah. Foreshadowing. Um, and uh, I will give it back to Ryan now. What did you see on this list that stood out to you? So the one that stood out to me was... Um, 2006, which they have ranked as the number ninth movie. And I, I almost went with 1995, almost exclusively because of Toy Story, mm. because of what Toy Story did um, and what basically was the launching of a dynasty with Pixar. And so much hinged on for that entire company on the release of Toy Story. And so when Toy Story absolutely blew up, 
Um, so 1995 almost, almost was my, was my pick. But I went with 2006. Um, in 2006, you have Deck the Halls, Deja Vu, The Fountain, Tenacious D in The Pick of Destiny, and Bobby. So the two standouts for me are The Fountain and Deja Vu. Um, I actually watched The Fountain this past week after we, were, we, we mentioned it uh, in a movie, I think when we talked about underrated movies last week. Also check out the filmforfans.com for the full list of underrated movies that we talked about on the podcast. Um, but I, I, I rewatched The Fountain and it's just such an incredibly beautiful shot movie. The use of visual ele elements repeated throughout the movie as transition and, um, and as ways to, to connect each of the three independent storylines is just amazing. And, and then Deja Vu, actually, I really like Deja Vu. This was a uh, Denzel Washington, Tony Scott movie. And it covers uh, a, a really horrific terrorist attack uh, blowing up a ferry boat in New Orleans. And this, this movie was filmed in New Orleans very shortly after Hurricane Katrina. Mm. So it shows like, there's even scenes of some of the devastation still um, that hadn't been cleaned up after Hurricane Katrina. And um, Denzel Washington is investigating this when he realizes that um, there's a government agency that's got the ability to look back in time. And so he starts looking back in time to before the accident. And it just, it's just a fantastically well done story. And Tony Scott, great director, may you rest in peace. And so, and Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny is just Jack Black being ridiculous. And, you know, if you're in the mood, that's funny. So that's why I went with 2006. Yeah, I think that's a pretty solid selection as well. And as you said, uh, that Toy Story pick has a friend in me as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so we'll link to this article too uh it's interesting because one of the things this said was it was not actually until the early 90s that film studios started realizing that thanksgiving day weekend could be a big release weekend and then um since that point we've seen it take off and i looked at some of the highest grossing films and they're all like the um the hunger games and harry potter <laughs> so franchises started taking over thanksgiving day releases so uh check it out it's it's interesting to to get the history of thanksgiving when it comes to movies did you uh did, is that ever a thing for you going to the movies either on thanksgiving or over that weekend was that something that you did regularly uh christmas has been the one that we've done we actually have gone on christmas day for many years in a row um but thanksgiving was more so the standing in line and freezing holiday yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and eating lots of food and uh my brothers unfortunately and my father uh three of my brothers and my father are cowboys fans so Ugh. that means that we watch football every thanksgiving as well i don't know how you deal with that <laughs> All right. Well, we hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving and uh, check out some movies while you're, while you're off. So let's move on to our watch list. So let's start with what we watched last week. Rob, why don't you go first? Uh, so the first thing that I watched this last week, I actually was kind of bored one night and I looked up 
hey, what came out recently on my uh, Watch Now app, which shows you new releases across all the different streaming services you might be subscribed to. Highly recommend uh, that app. Um, and I saw that Netflix had just released a an original movie, a uh, holiday movie called Jingle Jangle. Mm, yes. And the name sounds kind of lame, but uh, I looked at who was in it and Felicia Rashad, Forrest Whitaker, uh, Keegan-Michael Key, all in the movie as main characters. And I went into it, not necessarily huge expectations. I have a lot of respect for Forrest Whitaker. I think he's an incredible actor. So I was excited to see that he was a part of it. And Forrest Whitaker sings in this movie, which I did not know he was able to do. <laughs> I also didn't, I didn't know it was a musical when I started watching it. <laughs> um, the good or is this Russell Crowe in Les Miserables? This is uh, not a professional singer, but someone who sounds earnest and, and conveys emotion. Okay. With a singing voice, which I was, you know, that's about all you can ask for for someone who's not actually a trained singer. Yeah. And um, Keegan-Michael Key, obviously, no surprise, his character is completely over the top, as is his main uh, singing number. Uh, I don't think anyone would be shocked by that. Um, I was I was very pleasantly moved by this movie. Uh, I think that it's probably one of the better Christmas movies I've seen in a little while. Uh, especially for it to be a Netflix original, I think that that's pretty impressive. I think they did a really, a really good job with this movie. Uh, definitely recommend it. It's very family friendly. It's very hopeful. Uh, it left me feeling hopeful and I felt hopeful all the way through the movie. And I think that's something that we kind of need right now. Yeah. Um, to feel a little bit of hope and to have a little bit of positivity and it's it's uh the songs are well well written um well executed there's some fun choreography in it it's just really tight i felt like and i definitely recommend it. it's actually two hours long but didn't feel like that at all hmm. um which i think the best movies that are musicals like that that's how they end up feeling like they kind of just you snapped your finger and they were over <laughs> uh so it's definitely one we're going to be watching again my kids have already asked to watch it again and again and again and i've listened to the songs in the car because they are musical creatures and love to mm. sing um i also watched uh in probably the exact opposite uh, i can't I think you can go any farther in the opposite end of the spectrum i watched deadpool 2 <laughs> last night and uh <laughs> i had not actually seen deadpool 2 yet uh i saw the first one um obviously if you've seen either of these movies, you know that they are relentlessly and aggressively over the top, yeah. self-referential, fourth wall breaking, like just absolute nonsense. <laughs> and the reason why, why I ended up watching it the other night was I was just completely worn out. And I said to my wife, I just need to watch something stupid. <laughs> I just need to watch something stupid and laugh at stupid things and not have to think. And uh, this is a great movie if you want to watch something stupid because um, it's stupid. But uh, I will say that I, I, I do appreciate Ryan Reynolds' efforts as this character. I think he's probably the perfect actor for the character. Uh, the writing, I think, is hilarious. Mm. Um, I, sometimes it's a little much, but the, the best moments of the, both movies are when they break the fourth wall. And in Deadpool 2, my favorite moment was when they're in a the maximum security prison and he looks down where they're holding this giant beast and he goes, 
oh, yeah, that big guy, he's going to show up later. He's right down there next to that massive bag of foreshadowing, <laughs> which I thought was amazing. <laughs> and I also um, really appreciate the fact that they completely ripped off James Bond for the intro of the movie, which is just, it, it was awful and hilarious <laughs> as someone who likes James Bond. Um, but yeah, if you want to watch something very adult with no children around, watch Deadpool 2. But if you want to watch something with your kids, watch Jingle Jangle. Those are the two main movies that I watched this week. Nice. So I watched, um, I mentioned that I had watched The Fountain, but I actually went to the theater last night and I went to see Let Him Go, which is a quasi-Western um, starring Kevin Costner and Diane Lane. And basically the plot of this movie is this, um, uh, I would say, it takes place in the 1960s the early 1960s and it's a couple living out in Montana whose uh, their son is, is married and has a little boy when the son dies early in the movie. And the, the mother of this boy remarries and suddenly like disappears off to North Dakota. And Kevin Costner and Diane Lane are suspicious that the the grandson is not doing well and that there's something going on. So they drive out to North Dakota to attempt to see if they can find out what's going on. And they encounter this, um, this rough and tumble family called the Wee Boys, which have this, you know, typical Western type um, reputation where, oh, you don't mess with the Wee Boys, <laughs> you know? And everyone's boys. and everyone's <laughs> proud of them. So it's 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 basically the story of how this couple is attempting to rescue their daughter-in-law and grandson from this uh, maniacal family. So it's I think it's a decent movie um, if you like big open spaces and you know some of that uh, northern Midwest um, type of feel. A little bit of horseback riding here and there. A little bit out in the nowhere, you know, mountain country. Uh, if you like those type of settings, uh, it's really good. Um, I think there was there were a couple characters that they kind of started to develop and then didn't really it didn't really come to fruition. So, uh, but it's a good movie, and it's I mean, if we're talking about not a ton of movies in theaters, it's worth it's worth checking out. Um, so that's uh, that's let him go. Also, um, I, I've been going through the Daniel Craig Bond movies. So I watched uh, Quantum of Solace and Skyfall this week. Mm. And um, Quantum of Solace is probably my least favorite one. And it's probably the one I've watched the least. There are still some parts of it. It's like, oh, yeah, I, don't, I didn't remember that that was in there. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that this was one that was written during the writer's strike. And they kind of had to mm. rush it through. And so I think it, it left a little bit to be desired. Whereas you had Casino Royale, which had so much character development in it. This one just didn't quite have it. In fact, the most meaningful scenes are kind of like the afterthought scenes when he's actually encountering, where he actually tracks down um, Vesper from the, from the first casino, from Casino Royale, his love interest in there. Uh, he actually tracks down her Algerian boyfriend 
and, and confronts him and confronts what he's doing. And that's actually the most meaningful scene in the movie. And it's almost like a throw in at the end. And so he goes on this kind of quasi revenge quest movie and most of it doesn't really make a difference. <laughs> it just doesn't really like, yeah, there's not much to it. So, and then you contrast that with Skyfall, which is just off the charts. Amazing. It's, it's so, so good. And every time I watch it, I just cannot get over some of the lighting in mm. some of these scenes in particular, the scene in Shanghai mm -hmm. where he's in the high rise building and that's, the entire that's the, scene, immediately the scene that pops into my mind when I think about Skyfall. I mean, the entire scene is shot backlit from this giant billboard, and it's just so cool. Like this blue light that's filtering in, and the and the fight scene is almost entirely in shadow, lit by this blue like um, jellyfish type thing mm -hmm. that's floating on this electronic billboard in the background. It's oh man, it's so amazing. And then the scene the scene in Macau where he comes in on the little boat and you have all the lanterns floating in on the water and then they carry that lighting over inside the casino and you have that similar lighting all throughout the casino. It's just such a beautifully shot movie. And there's some of the scenes which are so, so memorable in Skyfall. Yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a beautiful movie um, and really has the, the full gamut of Roger Deakins' ability on display. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, when you when you go into a movie knowing that he's in charge of the cinematography, you just know something yeah. special is gonna happen on the screen. Yeah, scene nineteen seventeen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Roger Deakins, the one of the best cinematographers out there. So all right, Rob, what you watching this week? Uh I'm I, I need to watch Skyfall again because I haven't watched mm. it in a while um i actually just talked to my my friend uh today and i might watch parasite with him because he has not seen it yet okay um and i i think i'm gonna play the uh the what movie just came out roulette in my phone again a few more times just to <laughs> see what i might come across because like i said finding jingle jangle i, I might have found it by recommendations on netflix so mm -hmm. i was just kind of scrolling through but um having something catch your eye uh, that looks interesting and then watching it like the day it came out or the day after it came out, it's kind of a, a neat experience. Mm. Uh, still need to watch Logan Lucky. I do. I still need to watch Logan Lucky. That yeah. needs to happen this week. Yeah. I, fa I failed. I failed <laughs> big time on that one. Not quite as bad as not remembering who Samuel Jackson is, but uh, still hey, a fail. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be wrapping up the Daniel Craig Bond movies. So I'm gonna be watching Spectre, and I think I'm trying to decide what I want to watch next. I'm looking back here at my movie wall, and I don't know. Since I watched, uh, since I we were talking about Logan Lucky, maybe I'll go watch the uh, some of the other Daniel Soderbergh or Steven Soderbergh movies, uh, the Ocean's movies. Maybe I'll check those out again. Yeah, Spectre. Uh such a good beginning and such a disappointing yeah follow through <laughs> on it yeah still yeah. still worth watching if you like the james bond movies but in a lot of ways to me it felt kind of like james bond paint by number <laughs> like you knew exactly what was going to happen every every turn in the movie yeah uh, another good. thing that might yeah. happen this week is i might actually be able to go to the theater again because my wife is done with work 
on oh, nice. uh, after Friday. So like I can actually go out of the house at some point during the day. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so we might have to go see a movie together somewhere at some That'd point. Great. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for checking out the Film for Fans podcast. Uh, make sure you rate and subscribe and whatever podcast platform that you prefer and check out our YouTube channel and make sure you visit filmforfans.com. We were getting a lot more content on there now. So we have a number of reviews and articles on there. So check out filmforfans.com and as always enjoy the movies. <laughs>